Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. It's great to see you today. Standing up with us here. As we praise the Lord this morning in song, giving Him all the glory because He deserves it each and every day. Not yet. I think we got one more. One more? No? Okay, here we go. For the praises of man, I will never ever dare. For the kingdoms of this world, I'll never give my heart away. I shout my praise, my allegiance, and devotion. My heart's desire is all emotion. Go to serve the man who died upon that tree. Only a God like you. Only a king of 
Welcome to Crossroads. We're so glad that you're here today. We just want to welcome everyone. If this is your first or second time here, I want to invite you to stop by our Welcome Center. We have a gift just to say thank you and want to invite you to learn more about Crossroads. So please stop by our Welcome Center if that's you here today. Uh, just by way of announcements, just a few things. First of all, if you'll take the Connect card in front of you, there's a blue Connect card. If you have anything that you'd like for us to pray about, any way that you need contacted, please uh, please write your information on there, a prayer request. And you can take that contact card and you can place it in the offering box as it comes your way. And uh, as that, uh, I'm sorry, as the offering box comes your way, as the offering box is on your wall. That's the old days when we passed the plate, isn't it? So I want to encourage you to uh, put your, put the uh, Put that into the offering box, and we will uh, we will use that to pray for you and help connect with you. So just a, just a few announcements here today as uh, before we continue our time of worship. We have coming up a women's retreat for all those ladies in the church. We want to invite you to go on the women's retreat. Please uh, check out the information there. There's a table in the foyer with information, and somebody will be there to greet you and help you uh, get more information. And there's the information inside the bulletin. While the retreat is in April, the cutoff line will become 
coming up shortly. So I want to encourage you ladies to please sign up and uh, reserve your spot for the women's retreat this year as they get away and their theme will be Make Heaven Crowded. It's going to be an incredible time as the ladies get away up there. And then uh, as we are heading towards Easter now, you know, this was uh, this is the beginning of what many people refer to as Lent, as the Lenten season. And uh, so what I thought would do is start to think about Easter because it's just six weeks away. So the first thing that we have coming up is our extravaganza. We have uh, this will be on March the 23rd. But we're looking for people who will help. We're looking for people to come and help us. There will be about 15,000 eggs that need stuffed. So you can stop by the, uh, by the table in the foyer today, and they'll, they'll give you information on... Actually, they'll give you eggs, and you can start stuffing, right? And uh, we'll start stuffing these eggs. I know there's uh, different groups throughout the church are stuffing. I saw a couple people were here the other day stuffing. So there's all kind of groups will be stuffing. Maybe you can help stuff eggs. Maybe you can help, me, uh, you can help on the parking lot. You can help. Uh, with uh, different aspects of this thing. They put all kind of games around the, around the egg hunt. We'll have well over a 1,000 people here for this event, so we'd like, we're going to need lots of help. So if you can help, please stop by the table, fill out your information. Uh, you can take this to the table and hand that to Kim or Christy. We'll be at the table. And then uh, you can also put it in the offering box as well. And then with that being said, just mark, mark ahead a few things on your calendar here. We have Good Fridays coming up. I can't believe that Good Friday's already uh, right around the corner. That's March the 29th. So mark your calendar for Friday night. Good Friday will be here for a night of worship and communion. And then for Easter, I want to show you that we're, we're adding on an extra service for Easter. Um, I, you know, Christmas Eve, we came in here. And if you came at the 11 o'clock on, on Christmas Eve... Uh, there were 60 people that went into overflow rooms. And so uh, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, let's thank God for that. Those are, those are pretty big victories. Except if you were in the overflow room, right? So that's not too fun. So what I want to encourage us to do is uh, to look at the different opportunities. We're going to have Saturday at 6 p.m. All services will be identical. There will be children's ministry at all the services. I think 8 o'clock we'll have an abbreviated children's ministry. But uh, there'll be 6, 8, 9.30, and 11. All weekend long we'll be here, and we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to get the word out and begin to pray and think, who can I invite? Maybe you can invite somebody to the egg hunt. Maybe you can invite somebody to Easter. Maybe you can invite somebody to Good Friday. These are all great opportunities. And every Sunday in between, really, there's a, every week is an opportunity to bring somebody to Jesus. So we're so glad that you're here today. I want to ask you to, uh, to stand with us as we go to the Lord and pray and continue to worship. But as, uh, as we go to prayer this morning, I want to ask you to keep a few families in prayer today. Uh, Hal Breinig, as you know, you've heard me ask for Hal, uh, prayer for Hal. Hal Breinig went to be with the Lord this week. On Monday, he passed away, and he's in the presence of the Lord. Uh, and he's, he's singing his first Sunday in heaven today. And also, um, Nancy... Uh, Salzy wants to be with the Lord. So Nancy Salzy, who is Kristen Shire's mother, who has attended this church for 40 years, wants to be with the Lord. So we have two families that are suffering a lot. And I'm going to ask you to be in prayer for how there was no, no viewing or anything. That, that um, There will be a celebration of life coming up here in April after Easter. And uh, so watch for that. And then also you'll notice that um, for Nancy, uh, Nancy Salzy, Nancy Want to be with the Lord, and her, she's already her 
uh, her viewing and all that has already passed. That was on Friday evening. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's just ask God to move mightily as we continue and we pray and just uh, worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, we come before you, Lord. We're so thankful for the church, so thankful for this family, Lord. We are a growing family, Lord. I, I thank you that you're adding to the church daily, that people are coming to know you on a regular basis, that you're moving people closer to Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I ask now that you will open up our hearts and that you'll bring us into a closer relationship with you, Lord, and a closer relationship with each other. God, I pray that you'll help us as, as a body of Christ to reach out to those that are, that are new, to reach out to those that are hurting, just to reach out to one another and lift one another up as the body of Christ. God, we're so thankful for the faithfulness of your people as they serve faithfully as they give faithfully, Lord. God, we just celebrate and we praise you, Lord. We, uh, uh, last week, as we announced, uh, we were able to give over just about $170,000 to the missionaries around the globe because of what you've done here, Lord. And so we, we honor you, we bless you, we say thank you. And, Lord, we ask that you'll continue to move mightily on all those missions out there and do what only you can do. We'll give you the honor and the glory. Lord, be with your people as they give to you today, Lord, as they give through their offering, as they give through their service, as they give through their worship today, Lord. And as every one of us are able to give worship to you right now, Lord, we ask that you'll be honored and adored. Move mightily, Lord, in our hearts as we focus and praise your great name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
morning on our new series, Road to the Cross, a lot of people have asked me about Lent, like what do we do for Lent at Crossroads, and, and so uh, while we don't have a specific, like hey, we celebrate Lent or we observe Lent, uh, we don't have any uh, opposition to it, because I think it's a time of focus, and so if you're going to st- stop and focus, and what I want to encourage you to do is to take the next six weeks and focus your heart on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. On what Jesus has done on the cross. And as we come and we take and we focus in on the cross, we look at who Jesus is. We look at what God has done for us. Uh, that's, uh, that's what this period of time is. So while it's not a particular something that we have found in the Bible that says you should celebrate it, I want to encourage you to, uh, to take this season and make your heart prepare. It's about preparing your heart for the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Prepare your heart for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
And so as we take this next six weeks, we're going to be doing this series here called The Road to the Cross. And uh, we're going to look at people that Jesus met along the way. When you think of the road to the cross, you typically think of the very last stretch. You think of the Via Della Rosa. You think of that last mile that he, ha- that he carries the cross to Golgotha. But we're going to pick up a little bit earlier. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And we're going to pick up on a journey here that he's going to take into Jerusalem. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Uh, This was a journey from where he was at. He was in Galilee. And this journey would typically take about three days by walking. Um, so here he was going to take a journey, and the journey that he's going to be on from this point to the cross is about six months. So this is the last six months of his public ministry. Um, and as we go through this, we're going to meet very different people along the journey. You'll see that there was a small company of disciples that would follow him. And as this group of disciples would get there and they would follow him, they're going to hear the teachings of Jesus along the way. They're going to see the miracles of Jesus. They're going to see the people that he interacted with. And so what I want us to do is to see the people that he interacts with and to learn some lessons about Jesus. Like, yeah, we're going to get excited about some of the characters that we meet along the way, but I want us to be more excited about Jesus. Because as you see how Jesus interacts with these people, what Jesus does is he reveals himself. And so I want us to catch this morning here. We're going to be based here in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 55. But I want to give you a little bit of the backstory here. For Jesus to, to make a journey to Jerusalem, it was really about suffering. The disciples, they didn't totally catch this. They didn't totally understand that this was about suffering. They didn't understand that there was uh, something to come that would be uh, absolutely overwhelming to them. They, they're thinking that he's going to be the king. But Jesus kept trying to tell them this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22, just a few verses before our verse this morning here, He says that the Son of Man, Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and be killed and on the third day be raised. For Jesus, that meant suffering all along the way. The the disciples, they're thinking much something much different. So as Jesus walks towards Jerusalem, he is walking towards a certain death. But the disciples, they weren't too... Uh, weren't too much into understanding this. I'm sure they heard it. But, you know, sometimes you hear things and it kind of, you hear it, but you didn't hear it. It kind of went in one ear and kind of went out the other ear. You kind of have that happen because there's so much excitement. And just imagine being a disciple and taking all this in, that this was the Christ, the Messiah. As a matter of fact, Jesus one day when he was praying, and I'm giving you the backstory before the journey begins here, But this is what sets up this journey, really. In Luke chapter 9, verse 18, Jesus had been praying. Luke 9, 18 says this. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And remember, we just got done with a a focus of prayer. I want to encourage you, keep praying. Never stop praying. Jesus prayed. We see it all over the place. You're going to see it multiple times here today that Jesus prayed. It happened that as he, Jesus, was praying alone, the disciples were with him and asked them, and he asked them, Jesus asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And when you're out there and you're, you're feeding the 5,000, you're doing all that, who do these crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. 
Others say that you're one of the prophets that have, uh, that have, one of the prophets of old that has risen. Then he said to them, and this was the key question, he says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And he said, Peter responds, you are the Christ of God. The Christ is that word, uh, Messiah, anointed one. He's the anointed one of God. He's the Messiah, the promised one of God. He identified him as God. He identified him as the fulfillment of all these promises. And in other passage where, uh, one of the other gospels where, where we see the telling of the story, we see that Jesus affirms that. You have answered well. This is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is who he is. So Peter, James, and John, they're on the inner circle. And Peter has now declared that this is God. And so the ministry is taking a turn now. You had uh, about two and a half years. Jesus is roughly about 33 years old here, all right? So you had about two and a half years of a public ministry. And in that two and a half years of public ministry, he kept revealing himself, tried to teach who he was, but now it is becoming very public. He is, it's going to just get more and more loud. So he starts with his disciples and they declare that he is the Messiah. Uh, a few verses later, we see what is known as the transfiguration. Oh, this is a powerful passage here. Luke 9, 28. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, James, and John. Those were the inner circle. You have the twelve, and then out of the twelve, you have the inner circle. Peter, James, and John. Out of the three, you had John, who was the closest, right? So Peter, James, and John, they go up on the mountain to pray. Uh, as he was praying... Keep watching every time you see he's praying in the scripture. As he was praying, the appearance of his, Jesus' face, was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So here's Jesus. He's up on this mountain, and he's got this, his three of his disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. They're praying. Peter, James, and John kind of fall into a sleep, as we're going to see in the next verse. And as he's praying, Jesus' face transforms. Jesus' robe becomes dazzling white. And so then Moses and Elijah appear, and it's interesting what he says here. I love the word that Luke uses here. He says, which he was about to accomplish. He's telling them about the end of the story. Moses and Elijah come down on this mountain. Uh, God allowed some special form for the glory of Jesus. This was the glorification of Jesus right before the greatest suffering that would ever happen. Jesus is going to be glorified, so God brings Moses and Elijah. They had both died hundreds of years earlier. They died they're in heaven, and God brings Moses and Elijah down for this special moment. And, uh, and there's Jesus, and there's like this glory. And you can imagine what was going on in Peter, James, and John. Verse 32, now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. In other words, they were like, I can't believe what, huh? And But when, uh, when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. As the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not really knowing what he was saying. Peter steps out. Peter always has the 
the, the wild statements, doesn't he? You just look at Peter. Peter always has interesting statements. Jesus, Master, this is awesome. Let's make a tent. It's the word is tabernacle, a dwelling place. Let's make a tent here for you. One for you, Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, the two prophets of old. And this is just incredible. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as Moses and Elijah entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Isn't it interesting that whenever Jesus was baptized... We hear the voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And isn't it interesting that now in this moment of glorification, this is my son, my chosen one, my anointed one. This is him. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and they told no one in those days anything that they had seen. Peter, James, and John didn't come back and get everybody else all riled up over this. They're like, I can't believe what we saw. He was praying, and then his face, then his robe. I can't believe it. There was Moses. There was Elijah. Wow. And they kept it quiet. They kept it quiet. Now, get up to Luke chapter 9. Jesus set his face to the cross. Moses had ascended into heaven at that point. Went back into heaven. Elijah ascended back into heaven. Jesus, you got to stay. Jesus, you got to set your face toward Jerusalem. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, verse 51, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. 33 years old, roughly. Public ministry, about two and a half years at this point. Six months left of his life here on earth. His earthly life would soon be done, but he had a mission. And that mission was to go to the cross. And as he, heard, as, as he kept saying he's going to Jerusalem, what that meant for Jesus was suffering. It meant the death of Jesus on the cross, but it would also mean the resurrection. You see, Jesus did not ascend at that ascension. Jesus had his own ascension. After Jesus rose again, he was walking on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, he, he goes around and he's telling people, you know, talking to people. They had more than 500 eyewitnesses. And so we have all this for us today to document the resurrection. But I want you to catch something that along the journey, Jesus said, all right, this is what the Father sent me to do. This is what I've got to do. The mission of Jesus. You know, we're, we all have a mission. Jesus' mission was this. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Say that with me. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19.10, Jesus himself said this. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. God's command was for him to go to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. And so Jesus was not yet ready to be taken up into heaven because he still had a mission. Jesus' ascension to heaven must follow the crucifixion and the resurrection. And Jesus chose to obey the Father. So Luke says that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. This is the same 
verbiage that you see in Isaiah 50, verse 7, that is giving us some prophecies of the future Messiah. It says, I have set my face like flint. This is what he would do. And so Luke is drawing that, and he says, Jesus set his face. In other words, he wasn't like staring at Jerusalem everywhere he went. He knew, he was determined that Jerusalem is where I'm going. I've got to get to Jerusalem. I have set my face. I am determined. And I want to encourage us as followers of Jesus Christ today. We have a mission. Jesus gave us the mission. The mission was that we would go out and we would make disciples who will make disciples. That we will uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey Everything that he's commanded right here in his word. Amen? That's our mission. And sometimes we get off track of the mission. Have we set our face on the mission or have we set our face on things that are much more temporary? I find, listen, I've given my life to the mission and it's a daily struggle to stay on mission. It's very easy to become consumed with the woes and the cares of this world. It's very easy to be consumed because I want to be accepted. Everybody wants to be accepted. Well, Jesus didn't let acceptance override the mission. And I, I think it's important for us to understand that today. Uh, he told them over and over that he must suffer. Look here at Luke 9:44, even closer to our passage here. He says, let these, these are the words of Jesus. Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Let this sink in. I I think that's a very kind way of saying, hey, is there anything in there? I've been telling you for a long time. Hey, I think you better pay attention. Are you listening to me? Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered. So now he is fixed on Jerusalem, and he makes the final journey to Jerusalem willingly. His arm is not twisted. He is going on the mission that the Father had given him. But there would be obstacles along the journey. And the very first obstacle, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to, be, to make preparations for him. The word sent there is a, a word from the, uh, it means it's, it's like an apostle. It's the same idea. He says like they're, they're, they're commissioned. They are official representatives of Jesus. So he sent official messengers, official representatives. This wasn't the 12. The 12 were with him. He sent a messenger, a, a group of people went ahead. This helps you understand a little bit whenever you get down to Palm Sunday why there was a crowd. Because he had sent people a little bit ahead of him. Isn't that interesting? Like, you know, for years I would read the Palm Sunday passage and I'd be like, wow, he just rode a donkey and everybody just appeared. It's because he's been on a six-month journey from Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem. And he sends a team ahead of him. Interesting. He sent the messengers ahead of him, and he entered into a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. The village of the Samaritans, if you go onto the map, and it's really cool. Um, there's, Galilee is where he, was at, where he starts the journey, and he wants to get to Jerusalem, which is in the south. But in the middle is this region known as Samaria. This is where the Samaritans lived. And so he was going to go right through Samaria and head down that way. However, when he gets there, he runs into problems, though. 
And, and this, was a, this was a problem between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other. Uh, there was the Jews. They were all Jews. Actually, the Samaritans were part Jew as well. You had the Jews who considered themselves to be the full-blooded Jews. And then you had the Jews that had intermarried with the Assyrians. And that's where you got the Samaritans. And now they were known as the Samaritans. So these, this brand of Jewish and this brand of Jewish, what were they? They were mad at each other. So you had racial tensions that were happening. There were people say, oh, the Samaritans, we don't talk to Samaritans. And the Samaritans say, well, we don't talk to them Jews. Uh, you also had the differences of, of, of worship, what they believed. Uh, I believe that the Samaritans uh, only took for Scripture the, um, the first five books of the Old Testament, while the Jews took the whole Old Testament. Uh, they both believed in worship to God. And uh, as they would come... He would, he would come in there, and he had set his face toward Jerusalem, but the people were offended by Jesus. Look here in verse 53. He came, they came into Samaria, but the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. An average Jew with Samaria, going from the north to the south, there were three routes that you could take. One route was to go straight through Samaria down to Jerusalem. Some people would do that. They would just take it and they'd say, all right, I'm going to put up with the, with the, uh, with the tension. Most Jews would take a five-day journey. One was to the east and one was to the west to avoid this tension, to avoid this aggravation of the Jews and the Samaritans for their own safety or whatever you would say, but it would be a much longer journey. Jesus was on his journey to Jerusalem. And who does he go to first but the Samaritans? He goes to the people that, uh, that you would least think likely. They did not receive him or his messengers. Why? Because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And if you just kind of casually read that, you say, well, what's the big deal about that? He's going to Jerusalem. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal was that the, the Samaritans said, oh, you Jews, you think the only place you can worship is down there in Jerusalem. And the Samaritans, remember whenever the woman at the well? The woman at the well, Jesus had came. He had done this once before where he came into the town. He went into the village of Sychar. And in that village, whenever he, uh, the woman served him, she opened her heart to him is what she did. She was hospitable towards Jesus. She, she entertained Jesus, and she can I have a drink of water? And she goes, yeah. And so you know the whole story from there, right? And, uh, and during that time, they have a discussion about worship. And she responds to Jesus about worship. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And that's when Jesus responds, you must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. You see, whenever he came into this Samaritan town now, it's six months, the last, last six months he's, he's making his way down, they were offended by the whole idea of Jerusalem. And what we see is a group of people here that rejected Jesus flat without investigation. There was no investigation of who he is. All they knew is that he was going to Jerusalem. And all that, that, all that mattered to them was their tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. And we're right, you're wrong. Sounds like our world today, doesn't it? We're right, you're wrong. I'll stop there before I get too crazy on that stuff, right? You know what's in me. But I want you to catch this here. 
The obstacle of rejection. Many never followed Jesus. They didn't even begin to follow Jesus. Why? Because they didn't investigate him. Folks, I want to encourage you. Maybe you've been coming to church for some time and you haven't, haven't sold out to Jesus yet. I say welcome. I'm glad that you're here. I want you to keep investigating because once you see who he really is, you're going to sell your life out to him. And it's going to be powerful. But I feel terribly burdened today for the person who says, I'm just going to, um, I'm going to go and I'm just going to reject Jesus completely. I'm not even going to investigate the claims of Jesus Christ. See, that's what the Samaritans do. They say, oh, you're, you're going to Jerusalem. You know, people do that today with Christianity, don't they? I, and I've told you this in the last few weeks when we were talking about the Bible. I said many people reject uh, the Bible because they've rejected a Christian. You know, there's a lot of Christians out there that maybe they're not, maybe they're a hypocrite, maybe they're not living right, maybe they're, they're just phony. And, uh, and people will say, will hold that on them and say, man, that's no good. You know, what, why, what are you doing there? Uh, I'm not going to follow that kind of Jesus. Well, the same thing is still happening today when it comes to Jesus. Many people will say, well, I know a Christian who does this. Or, well, they're heading towards Jerusalem. And what's the Jerusalem of today? Whatever the issue may be, right? Whatever the issue of division may be, and people may say, well, because you're for that, I can't investigate Jesus. And what I want to encourage us to do, folks, is to pray for the world around us. Because there's a tremendous need for people to come to Jesus Christ. And we cannot be too offended whenever we have been rejected. We've got to remember it's all about Jesus. The sad part here today is that Jesus has offered offered salvation to all. But many will reject him. And I want to encourage you this. Have you received Jesus? That's the question today. Have you received Jesus? Are you like the Samaritans where, oh, you've heard about him, but there's something, there's one particular clause that's really got you tripped up, and therefore you're not going to even investigate. You're just going to reject him. You're just going to walk away from Jesus completely because of something you've heard, something maybe you read, maybe there's a part in the Bible that you don't necessarily understand. Uh, Maybe there's something that offends you. You know, there's certain things in the Bible that will be offensive to us. You know why? Because I'm a sinner and God is holy and just and righteous. So there's things about my life that must change whenever I come to the Bible. And the same for you. And so, so, oh, well, I might be offended. Well, let me tell you this. The question is not, what are you, what's the clause you're having a problem with? The question is, will you keep investigating who he really is? Will you receive him? John 1.12 says this. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And notice what he says there, to those who receive him. Open your heart, open your soul, and receive him. To those who believe in his name. The world knows that this was a historical fact that Jesus died. He wants more than a historical fact. He wants you to receive him. Yes, Lord, you're my Lord. Those are the people that we call the children of God. If you have received and believed, see, because even the devil believes, these are historical facts. The devil believes that Jesus died, but he doesn't receive him. 
God wants you to receive and believe, and he will give you the right to become the children of God. The Samaritans rejected without even understanding who Jesus is. Look here in verse uh, 54. When his disciples, James and John, saw it. So whenever they saw that he was being rejected, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And I love that. Isn't that interesting? James and John. You know what James and John, their desire was to retaliate. James and John said, I'm going to retaliate. That's number something in your notes, all right? I want to retaliate. And as you think about that, he says, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? You know, James and John, you know what one of their names were? Jesus called them the sons of thunder. I can only imagine. They must have had a little brotherly love every now and then. You know what I'm saying? They must have had a little bit of interaction, and they were the feisty ones of the group. I think right now he could have called them the sons of thunder and lightning, right? Can we call fire? You want us to do this for you. Now, listen, this is really awesome what they want to do. But what they want is vengeance. They want to retaliate. They, they want to get even. They remember the prophet Elijah. If you go back and you study the prophet Elijah in 2 Kings, over in 2 Kings 1, you see the story about Elijah and the enemy is coming after Elijah. So Elijah's up on a mountain and the king sends an army captain and 50 soldiers to arrest him. I'm just going to read a few of those verses. They found him sitting on top of a hill. The captain said to him, Man of God, the king has come down. Uh, the king has commanded you to come down with us. But Elijah replied to the captain, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your 50 men. Then fire fell from heaven and killed them all. I love that. Don't you? I mean, that's just... That's little, that's man talk right there, right? That's like, you want to watch Rambo or I'm going to read the Bible? I'll just read the Bible, right? It's like, we got it going, man. We got the real deal. Um, like that, that, and then what happened, that happened the second time. The next, the king sends out another captain with 50 men. And he goes up and says, the king's commanded you to come down. And he says, if I'm a man of God, watch what's going to happen. Dead, all 50 of them. The third commander comes out with 50 men. And this guy, he's a little bit smart. He says, I'm going to negotiate. And he goes up and he says, Elijah, please spare us. Have mercy upon us. And there was mercy given. You know what? This is what James and John wanted. James and John said, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Do you want us to do it just like Elijah did? We're feeling it today, Jesus. Jesus, they disrespected you. They dissed you. Can you imagine this? I mean, they were young guys, right? Around 18 years old, probably. Yeah, Jesus, I can't believe what they said about you. I can't believe they told us to get out. See, the, the Samaritans didn't open their heart at all. There was no hospitality in their heart towards Jesus. Not even a, a welcome at all for him at this point because he's saying his face towards Jerusalem. So they said, do you want us to tell them to come down? Verse 55, but he, Jesus, turned and rebuked them. Jesus, do you want us to, you want us to call fire down from... I think it's pretty wild that they thought they could do it. Yeah. 
And listen, he had trained them, and they went out, and they went out, and they did these uh, miracles after Jesus left. You see all these miracles. I think they were kind of starting to get into that at that point there. So Jesus had given them power. But could you imagine you're going up to Jesus? Jesus, let me show you what I can do for you. Wow. Jesus turns to them and says, nah, we're not doing that today. I want you to notice he didn't condemn them. I don't think the problem was their faith, and the problem wasn't their zeal. The problem was their attitude. Sounds like a lot of Christians today, doesn't it? I think we've got a lot of zeal, and we've got great faith. But sometimes my attitude's not right. Sometimes the attitude of Christianity is, we're going to call fire down from heaven. And Jesus turned and rebuked them. He says, not today. You see, what was happening was that Jesus would end up going to the cross. Those Samaritans had another chance coming. Those Samaritans had another opportunity to come to Jesus. They didn't understand that James and John may not have understood some of the things that Jesus was was talking about. And, and, and it says that he, he and his disciples went to another village. Why did he just go to another village? Why did he rebuke them? Number one, Jesus had a mission. He had to go to the cross. His mission was not to be liked. That's a tough one. You and I want to be liked. I'm just telling you how it is. I get out in the community. I want to be liked. It doesn't matter if I'm liked. What matters is I'm on a mission. And I want to ask you, are you on mission? If you're a Christ follower, are you on mission today? Are you following him? Or are you wanting to be liked? He rebuked them. Not for their faith, but for their attitude. You see, they were forgetting verses like Lamentations 3.22. That says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy these people? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, John. What are you talking about? His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, how about Psalm 145.9? The Lord is good to all. The Lord is good to the Samaritans and the Jews. The Lord is good to the Jews and the Gentiles. The Lord is good to the Egyptians, to the, to the, to the Jews, the Egyptians, to the Assyrians, to all their neighbors. The Lord is good to all. His mercy. The Lord is good to the Americans. The Lord is good to the South Americans. The Lord is good to all, to everybody around the whole world. His mercy is over all that he has made. And you are the very creation of God, and his mercy is over you. And, P- and James and John here, they're like, we want to win. We're ready. We're on the team win here, right? Well, when Jesus had sent his disciples out earlier in chapter 9, there's a whole lot in chapter 9. He said this. He says, if you do not welcome, if people do not welcome you, when he sent the team out, If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. The testimony against them was not fire from heaven. The testimony against them was 
Okay. I'm going to the next town. And that's always amazed me. And I often thought, well, why is that? Because God will send another messenger. And if I get too hung up trying to make you happy, I get off the mission. Jesus here was rejected. Shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next town. Second Timothy says this, The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. We must not be quarrelsome. Folks, my message for the church at large today, we must not be quarrelsome in our world. I hear many people getting on bandwagons of many issues. And today, God's called us to something bigger than the issues. The biggest issue is Jesus. I'm to take to this world Jesus. I'm not to, I can't, listen, I'm not going to reform this country. It isn't going to happen. But I can give them Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't go into each town and say, hey, let's, uh, let's get a new Caesar. He didn't say, hey, let's, uh, let, you know, all, there was all kind of crazy stuff going on. You know what he did? He just kept revealing himself. This is who Jesus is. Jesus was rejected. And so Jesus, unlike James and John, he accepted rejection as a part of God's sovereign plan. Could it be that rejection is part of God's sovereign plan? And for the case of Jesus, absolutely it was. He had to be rejected to get to the cross. And so here he was. Things were going good. It's a public ministry. Things were happening. Things were moving in the right direction. The disciples are at an all-time high. They've just declared that he is the Lord, that he is the Messiah. They've seen the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John seen the transfiguration. And now he set his face towards Jerusalem. And the very first town he goes into, there's rejection. And the disciples, the sons of thunder... They want to call fire down from heaven. And you know what this does for me? It gives me great encouragement. Because John, the son of thunder, wrote a whole lot in the Bible about love. Like, because he was a disciple didn't make him perfect. Because he was a disciple didn't make him arrived. Because he was a disciple, he was still growing and maturing. And we later on see that some of these verses that Paul talked about, look what Paul said about love. He said that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Should have given you that verse last week before Valentine's Day, huh? I highlighted that irritable part because that's my struggle with love. I get a little bit irritable from time to time. I get a little bit like John. Lord, just wipe them all out. Don't laugh. (laughs) I haven't prayed that for the people in here. I'll just tell you that. I pray that for the people out there. 
Oh God, why, why do you let that happen? God, just do it. In the meantime, Jesus rebuked him and says, no. And you know what he did with John? The next six months, John would be standing at that cross. And Jesus would look on the cro- from the cross down at John and say, Behold your mother. In other words, John, you're going to take care of my mom. And John goes out to write incredible things in Scripture for us. And God could take that. And so as you're on the road to the, to the cross with me this year, as we're taking the next six weeks and we're preparing our heart, we're focusing in on the cross, we've met today two groups of people. We met the Samaritans. And we met the sons of thunder. And I ask you, which, which one are you today? Maybe you're like the Samaritans. You've just been totally rejecting Jesus. You've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. There's a clause or two that you're really tripped up on, so therefore you're just really struggling. I want to encourage you, don't, don't go there anymore. I want to encourage you to keep coming back to Jesus. Keep coming right here where you're at. Keep knowing him. Get into his word. Investigate his claims. Because as you investigate, I know that God will reveal himself to you. That's the promise of ask, seek, and knock. As you keep seeking, you keep seeking, you keep seeking, he's going to reveal himself to you. Maybe you're like James and John. You're like the sons of thunder. You're over on the other side and you're saying, oh my goodness. This world is so bad. We've got to do something about it. You're mad all the time. And Jesus says, relax. Rejection is part of what I have to go through. For the Son of Man will be rejected by everybody. But don't worry. I will rise again. It's closing prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning... I want to ask you to open your heart to Jesus. You know, that's the very first step today is to open your heart to Jesus. He died on the cross and he paid for your sin. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And he says, whosoever, the scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sins. I'm inviting you today to believe and receive. And then you'll become the child of God. So in this room today, maybe you have not yet made this real. You haven't made yet. Maybe you've just been on the investigation journey. Maybe you've been rejecting. But maybe something that God has revealed to you through his word this morning is just resonating in your heart. And you say, today's the day. I'm going to invite you to Jesus. And if that's you, you're saying yes to Jesus. You want to, you want to receive him today. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to quietly, inwardly pray that between you and the Lord right now. And just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I come to you now as a sinner. And I'm in need of a Savior. I believe that you died on the cross. That you were buried. That you rose again the third day. I believe that you are God. And today, 
I also receive you. I open my heart to Jesus today. And for others in this place this morning, maybe God's talking to you. What's God speaking to you about? Maybe there's just something down underneath. Listen, rejection is hard. Nobody likes rejection. I want to encourage you, stay on the mission. No matter who is rejected, no matter how hard the rejection has been, and no matter how much the rejection has hurt, I want to encourage you to stay on the mission as we go out and we follow the Lord's command to bring people to Jesus, to teach them, to baptize them, to, to ground them in the faith, and watch them go out and do it as well. Don't give up because of rejection. Don't call down thunder and lightning. Ask God to give you the grace today. Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I, I thank you for your word. Lord, I, as I read your word today, I'm, I'm just amazed. We looked and saw that Jesus is God, the promised Messiah. We see that he was rejected. And yet you still rebuked your zealous disciples, not for their zeal, but for not understanding what you're really doing. God, take us into your mission that we could understand and yet obey even when we don't understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I stand today as we sing our closing song of praise to the Lord and worship our great God. Set free.